Hello, you're about to listen to Rich Tarrant's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahelestopa. Yeah, you're cool. That's good. Um, it's free on audio. I hope you're going to enjoy it. But if you want to contribute to the actual production of it, we do charge for video downloads. You can buy a series pass for £15, where you'll get eight or nine, I think, uh, separate podcasts now, or they're £3.50 if you just want to buy this one or one of the others in the series. If everyone who listened to this just bought one podcast, one episode of this podcast, then we'd be able to fund so many other fantastic comedy projects. So if you feel like contributing, if you go to www.gofasterstripe.com slash podcasts, if you can't just keep listening for free, or if you don't want to pay, you think you shouldn't pay for stuff, and then this project will die and you will have murdered it. Hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. He can't play Sabutio, but he knows how to chat. Please welcome Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling it, Rahel Estepa. <laughs> lots of cool kids in. Uh, it's all been fun. We've had a lot of fun uh, this series. Uh, last week I was asking about whether uh, who was going to go first out of Nelson Mandela and <laughs> Prince Philip. Uh, God was finally going to let us know whether racism was right or wrong. Uh, yeah. I'm not very happy with God. It looks... It looks bad for uh, anti-racism, is what I'm saying at the moment. This is, just as we're going to broadcast, this could be incredibly sick by the time this... I mean, it's pretty sick already. But I'm hoping God's been a bit like Alan Sugar is in The Apprentice, where he, he really makes it look like it's going to be one of them, doesn't he? goes, the thing is, Nelson, you haven't been doing that well. I'm not that impressed with the way you spent a lot of time in the middle of your life really hardly doing anything. It was a waste. <laughs> say like, Prince Philip you're fine so I'm hoping <laughs> let's hope fingers crossed if, if an old man has to die let him be Prince Philip that's why that's why but hopefully no old men will die <laughs> they'll keep on and I'm, you know it's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not being uh, disrespectful to death I've been to a funeral this week of my grandma uh, died a couple of weeks ago Doris, who you may, if you've ever seen Boys Love Anyway, you'll know there's a lot of stuff about her. She's a remarkable, amazing woman, but she was 102. There comes a point where you can't really go on anymore. But it was kind of, it's really horrible going to funerals, right? You've been to funerals, it's not nice, but um, it kind of, there was a point, it was in a crematorium, if you live to 102, right, you don't really have many friends left. That's the problem. She was a very, she was a woman who was always surrounded by people, but they are now all dead. Uh, Very selfishly, they died first and she went to their funerals. And where are they now? Nowhere. So it was just the family. Uh, But um, uh, but, uh, we knew she she was a, an amazingly uh, uh, friendly and uh, well-loved woman in her life. But uh, we were, it was kind of sad, but then we were singing the first hymn, and because it's a crematorium, they just had a sort of tape, which was playing quite quietly, a quite unfamiliar hymn. And there was a man behind me singing very, very loudly. You know, you get those people who just sing so loudly, he drowned out the tape. And everyone started singing this hymn at completely different parts of the hymn. Uh, which was kind of, you know, it's a sad occasion, but that's quite funny. (laughs) You're going down a line of people. And so we were all really trying not to laugh because that would be inappropriate at my own grandma's funeral. That made it much more tempting to laugh. We did laugh quite a lot, but I think my grandma would have liked it. But rest in peace uh, to Doris. She was a fantastic woman. And she was the first girlfriend, I've discovered, of Cyril Smith. Um, 
It's not the Cyril Smith you're thinking of. You're thinking of the paedophile. He was a pedagogue, uh, this Cyril Smith. He was, uh, he was a concert pianist, Cyril Smith, who lived in Middlesbrough. So don't judge until you've heard there's a lot of people called Cyril Smith. <laughs> It's unlikely that Cyril Smith, I mean, if Cyril Smith had got from my grandma, he would never have gone uh, the other way. <laughs> she was a, she was, there was a lot of women there. <laughs> so, um, uh, anyway, I'm not going to me mess around uh, too much. Uh, my, my, the fly of this suit is broken, uh, so uh, I'm kind of worried constantly it's going to come down. So I'm going to charge you with the task. I'm, and actually, let's give the people uh, who've bought the video a treat. Uh, I'm going to charge this young lady. Oh no, I've put this function. I hope I haven't turned it off. Uh, this function currently unavailable. Hold on. I feel a bit disgusting now, but I'm still going to carry on. There's a, there's a young lady, she's dressed for the summer, it's not that hot out there. Um, your job is to... Um... Hey viewers! You look, that's what you usually get. That's, uh, I tell you, that has just put a few nerds at home right off their stroke. <laughs> It's your job uh, to just keep your eye on my crotch during the podcast. If my fly comes down, could you just let me know? Because I'd, I'd be embarrassing in front of Edgar Wright if my penis was out. <laughs> and with you sitting there. Um, uh, so um, it might be noticeable, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, so look, we're going to crack on because uh, Edgar is in the middle of editing the film he's about to put out next month. Uh, so he has to go back and finish off the editing. <laughs> so it's amazing that he's come down uh, to do this ridiculous podcast. Uh, will you please welcome a man who is best known... People who've just got the audio will think I'm just building up suspense. Uh, he is best known, of course, as the deep thought technician in the disappointing Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy movie. Will you please welcome Edgar Wright, ladies and gentlemen. Here he comes, hopefully. Here he comes, look, that's him coming. Here he comes, there he is. Sit down here, Edgar. You can take that out, leave it in, whatever you want. There we go. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm very good. How's the film coming along that you're editing right now? It's, uh, I only have like tomorrow to finish it. Wow. That's it. It's, it's just the mix. So it's, uh, I, it was nice to have a little break from being in front of a loud screen for all. You're not break. filming any scenes at the moment. There's not, no. You haven't got to that. Because if you need anyone... If you need someone to stunt double for Nick Frost, uh, who, who takes all the acting work, I, if I ever get an acting job, I know it's because Nick Frost isn't able to do it. That's, that's basically the only reason to get work. Do you remember being the uh, deep thought technician in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? You've got any mem we'll get this out of the way first, because this is what you get asked I do. all the time. I do. <laughs> me, and, me and Garth Jennings, who directed that film, we have a thing where we cameo in each other's movies. Right. So he is in... Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and this one and I'm yeah. in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Son of Rambo as Oh, well. that's alright. That's a good... For you. You're a teacher in Son I of Rambo. I am a teacher in Son of Rambo. He's done a right. lot better out of that arrangement than you have, I have to say. So, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I really don't like that Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy film, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing to take on, isn't it? Ah. Uh, well, I think it's a difficult... I mean, this isn't your film. It's, you know, it's, it's not my film. You know, I tell you, that Deep Thought Technician was fucking shit, in it? <laughs> that was what ruined it Number for one me. or number two? <laughs> uh, number two? Oh, I was number one. Oh, so okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> only I'd done my research. We won't talk about that anymore. Uh, so, uh, the main thing I want to talk to you about is uh, the rivalry 
between Cheddar Caves and Wookie Hole. That is what this is mainly going to be about. This is why I've got Edgar Wright in. I, I grew up in Cheddar and worked at Cheddar Caves. You grew up in Wells. And that makes me laugh, because we weren't politically correct in the 1970s, I have to say. But when you said anyone was from Wells, that meant they were mentally ill <laughs> at our school. Because there, was a, there was a mental hospital oh, in Wells. Oh, that's true. Or yeah. a hospital for mentally ill people, as I should call it now. But that was, you go, you, you're going to go to Wells. So I, every time I say you're from Wells, I'm laughing inside of it. <laughs> <laughs> the mental hospital, yes. as people called it, was called the Mendip Hospital. So it was oh. as close a word as you could get to mental as possible. <laughs> the Mendip Hospital. <laughs> yes, and, no, and my, grandma, well. my grandma died in Wells as well. So, um, how? <laughs> She was, just, she was killed by a zombie uh, <laughs> Freemason. Uh, so, uh, the Mendip Hospital was quite scary. Yeah. I remember. How do you know? When did you go to the... Well, get so this. this straight this in. I've got is... straight to the mental illness straight away. Did you try to kill yourself and then had to go No, to... but this is... No. This is absolutely true. It would be good true. if you did, wouldn't it? It would be good if you it's did. Amazing. It's amazing how you'll quickly dislodge a long-buried memory. <laughs> yeah. But when I was at primary school, there used to be a tradition at our primary school that used to do the Christmas play. I don't know whose amazing idea this was. That, so I must have been lying. So you had to go and perform the Christmas play for the patients of the Mendip Hospital. <laughs> now, um, <laughs> there were several things about that that were unsettling. It's like, one of them is I remember that, like, and I didn't see it, but I remember a girl in the play did said, a man was touching himself. Uh, and I'm like, oh, I didn't see that. I'm glad I didn't see that. There was also somebody applauding all of the way through it. It was very... <laughs> without stopping. He might have been applauding the man touching himself, to be fair. I think they were sitting on opposite sides of the auditorium. So I can genuinely say that I have performed a Christmas play in an asylum. <laughs> Which explains a lot of... Uh, I know, it was work. very... It was, no, it was... It was, it, it was I didn't think anything of it at the time, but when I look back, I kind of think... Whose fucking idea was that? <laughs> what a crazy idea. And then it closed, like, um, not, you know, like about five years afterwards. Right. And now they're all fancy flats. I would not like to buy one. Do you think it's haunted? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Have you ever seen a ghost, Edgar Wright? <laughs> <laughs> that almost felt like it was just slipped in. It worked. Have you ever seen a ghost? Um, no. Mm. But my mother, who... No, I don't know if your mother. <laughs> Wait, have your sibling ever seen a ghost? No, get this. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm bring, sure I'm, I'm going to allow it, but go on then. My mother, who worked as a cave guide at Walkie Hole Ooh. Caves, she swore that she saw ghosts. Oh, in they, she then made her say that to try and get people to go to Walkie Hole because it was so shit at Walkie Hole. <laughs> to make up but oh there's a witch living in here then you go in and oh there's a cat it's just a big shadow you can make a shadow of anything you just put a light in a different place <laughs> the people of Somerset are very impressed like, <laughs> you could put a shadow of a light anywhere I'd make say, I'd like say a cheddar better, the gorge is amazing it is amazing and don't, there better be no butt after this <laughs> and the caves are amazing and Jacob's Ladder is amazing Jacob's Ladder the is amazing the Fantasy Grotto was amazing and now it's good now it's a, the but Fantasy but the main quest. chamber in Wookie Hole Cave is better than any of the cheddar caves. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a paper mill. There's a hot. paper mill. There's a witch. They would do this thing. I was never a cave guide there. I, was, I worked in the car park. Well, <laughs> waving like sort of during the summer. That was my job. I did it for one summer. I would just wave cars into free spaces. It was amazing. And um, 
But my friend was a cave guide and my mother was briefly a cave guide. And they have this thing in Wookiee Hole Caves where they have the stalagmites and stalactites and they say, oh, look at this stalactite that looks like Michael Jackson. <laughs> it's absolute bullshit. <laughs> but um, my friend also, he used to kind of lie, because there used to be things that they genuinely shot, like Doctor Who and Blake Seven yeah. in, um, in Wookiee Hole Caves. But my friend yeah, well, they, shot, they uh, shot part of uh, the Triffids in Cheddar Caves. <laughs> My, my friend used to embellish it and start lying about what things have been shot there. So he used to say, and in 1983, Steven Spielberg shot Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> I used to egg him on. I just used to say, keep, go further, go further. <laughs> just keep like lying. Nobody's going to check up. People, uh, like Americans, would come into Cheddar Caves and genuinely, because it was Cheddar, and they'd see all the kind of stalagmites and the formations. They go, is this made of cheese? <laughs> like they thought... <laughs> they thought someone had they wanted to see a cave and they thought someone had just made loads of pretend stalag or either they thought cheese was made in caves by the action of water over thousands of years or they thought someone had carved some cheese into the shape of a stalagmite would they uh, I think our audience would, I think they thought that as well but it's, uh, is it not made of cheese would they have dinosaurs at Cheddar Caves <laughs> because they definitely at Wookiee Hole Caves in that way that like if there's any kids attraction it's just Bung a load of dinosaurs <laughs> in there as well. Nobody will question it. Well, in, I've written a I've written a comedy drama about uh, Cheddar Caves, uh, which has not been ever it's been commissioned but has not got made. If you want to make it, I could turn it into a film. Uh, I'll make it on condition we film it at Wookie Hole Caves. <laughs> but there, I did. I had, I had the Cheddar Caves, which is called Yeo Bridge Caves, and then there was what I call Nookie Nookie Ditch. I caught. I cleverly disguised it, but it's like it's just in the thing. It's just fucking amazing there's an there's an ogre of Wookiee Ditch and they have all adverts and loads of money and they have Jurassic Park Jane Eyre world you know it's just there's something for everyone which is sort of what I, I envisage Wookiee Hole as it had it was all this razzmatazz whereas Cheddar hadn't we had a skeleton that was related to our history teacher uh, generally there was they found a this is generally true they found they found a skeleton you have to call it that it was 10,000 10, years old, it had been cannibalised, and then they did a DNA test on the kids in the, in the history class at the school and to see if any of them were related to the skeleton. And the, none of them were, but the history teacher, Mr Target, who was my history teacher, was related. And he lived about 200 yards from that cave. So in 10,000 years, his family had moved. <laughs> you, just, you just reminded me of another story about something that happened in Wookiee Hole Caves. And this wasn't my friend, but this was an older veteran cave guide who was quite grumpy. And apparently one, this is when my friend was working there, he had a party of like German um, exchange students who were being very noisy. And so he added into the stalagmites and stalactites bits when they were being particularly noisy. He said, you can just make out the image of Bomber Harris bombing, <laughs> bombing Dresden as a way of shutting up the German students. <laughs> Did it I, don't, I don't condone that. <laughs> I'd love to see a stack. <laughs> 
<laughs> that look like Bomber Harris bombing dressed vests. There is one in Cheddar that's the Swiss village, that you have to kind of look at it upside down in some water. In a, in a create, in a, you know, they just, it's all false. I don't know how false Wookiee Hole is. I don't know how much I can say. Well, they have, a wi- the, they, they have the one that looks like the witch. That's yeah. where the witcher Wookiee Hole comes from. And then there's one that looks like Dougal from the Magic Roundabout. <laughs> oh, there, that one does look like Dougal from the Magic Roundabout. <laughs> that one is generally the most astonishing and scary stab <laughs> of all time. Do you think he was turned into stone by the witch of Wookiee Hole? Dougal from the Magic Roundabout. <laughs> But, you know, they, they, cause they, they, these are all just like little crawl spaces, basically, in Cheddar. So, they, they, you know, it's all just been burrowed out. The, fan, the Fancy Grotto was created, um, I think, by Roland Pavey, but it might have been uh, Cox. Yes, that's who found the cave. Uh, uh, but they just basically were looking for a cave by using dynamite. And they didn't find a cave, but they'd made a big enough hole to open as a cave. <laughs> By then. And so that was for a while, that was the fantasy grotto. You could go and touch one of those big, remember those big orbs they used to have, and you touch them and your hair would go up in the air? Yes. They had one of those in it, it was amazing. <laughs> I think they'd brought, I don't think that was, had occurred naturally. <laughs> Looks like we are going to talk about Wiki Hole and Cheddar Caves for the whole time. I would quite like to do that. <laughs> Maybe we'll get you on again another time. Um, I, I've, well, I've been, what's great about you as a director is that lots of your juvenilia exists and is <laughs> easy to find. And it's kind of, that's quite a rare thing, and it's very charming stuff. A, the, well, the first thing of yours um, that I've seen online is basically you're on, you're on Going Life. That's right. When you're, what, you're 13 or 14? Or? No, I think I was at 16. Oh. <laughs> you're no, still, you're still, no, very you still very young. Uh, but uh, you, you, won the, you won the Going Live video-making competition with... Uh, with a thing about disabled access. Now I've seen your true attitude towards the mentally handicapped. I realise <laughs> you just did that cynically to win. <laughs> it was a very it nice was a, thing It was a competition say. where you had to do something about one of their causes. Yeah, fuck they, that. They did... <laughs> they Comic did, um, If you watch that clip again, maybe I said, like, um, if you can find it on, online, is that they told me by accident the night before that I'd already won. <laughs> right. And then they said, oh, no, he's not supposed to know. And so then a producer, this is also your first time on live television ever. <laughs> Somebody says, oh, and can you just pretend that you didn't know that you won? <laughs> so I was thinking, I don't know how to fucking act. <laughs> so it was, it was like nerve-wracking enough being at BBC TV Centre and being on that show and then having to kind of think about, oh, I have to fake a reaction <laughs> till a winning... So this is, this is like a kind of quiz show scandal. It's yeah, amazing. It is. So it was, it was very strange to kind of like in the middle of all of that to also have to fake, um, fake a winning reaction. I didn't do very well. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really spot it when I watched it. I thought you did very... You just look quite... You know, you like... Oh, I'll take it. My stride. I'm pretty cool. <laughs> when you're being interviewed by Jenny Powell, is that oh, yeah. it? On uh, Gimme Five. Yeah. You're really trying to impress her. That's what I like about you. You and your friend are really trying to act all cool so that yeah. Jenny Powell will get off with you. Yeah. Did it work? Is no. my question? No. <laughs> no. She was quite, she was quite tactile though. Was she? I remember thinking she was quite flirty and me and my friend were sort of in that ridiculous kind of brain space you have at 18 thinking, well, you never know. <laughs> like, I mean, she's 26, we're 18. <laughs> Who knows? Um, Add 18 and 18 together, 36 year old <laughs> One at each end, bang, let's go, Jenny. That's what I'd have said. It was very different times as well, the television presenters back then. That was part of the. That was sort of part of what was expected. If you weren't in children's service, I think any 18 year old, kind of slightly 
long-haired, scruffy, smelly 18-year-old boys I can get off. There are, I would take the give-me-five job. <laughs> but because you, you did a film called A Fistful of Fingers. Yes. But you did this like, completely off your own bat, right? Is that, is that right? You, did, you just made it yourself I for £15,000 or something like that? I made a version on video that I made when I was still at the... Uh, the Blue School, which is right. like a comprehensive Boo. in Somerset. Boo. Boo! Kings of Wessex. Come on, we, who's on my side? <laughs> we went to school. Our school. Our schools are only 10 miles apart. They are. So we went to school very close to each other. We would have played each other at rugby were I not eight years older than you and if either of us played rugby. I didn't. <laughs> You're very accurate in that presumption. I did not play rugby. I would not have been in the rugby or cricket. I would not have been representing my school in sports. No, I didn't. How can you, can you believe that? I can believe it. My sister went to the blue school and she was very sporty, so she did very well for the blue school. She wouldn't go to... My dad was my headmaster, for those few people who don't know that, in, in the Kings of Wessex, and my sister sensibly refused to go to the same school. Did as you the... get taught by your dad? Yeah. Well, I got taught by my mum and my dad Yeah, and my mum as well. We've both been taught by both our parents. Which is absolutely... I even asked... Went to the headmaster and said, can I be moved into a different stream so I don't have to be taught by my mum and my dad? They said, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> and it was absolutely, like, mortifyingly embarrassing. They only, did it, they only taught at my school, at the blue school, for a year. But suddenly my mum had an opinion on all of the girls in my class. <laughs> and like, there was a girl that I fancied, and she goes, why do you like her? Why don't you like Vanessa Burton? <laughs> She's very pretty. Which is stuff that you do not want to hear. Yeah. But on Vanessa the Burton was quite pretty, if yeah. you're listening, Vanessa. Yeah. That, that news spread to Cheddar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. On the positive side, if you call your teacher mum, you know, you might be, might be right. Unless it's your dad. So she... it's not as embarrassing. <laughs> Did you ever do that? I did that my, my mum called me uh, Pickle in front of the class. <laughs> Which at the age of 14 is not, very, not a lot of fun. Not a lot of fun for everybody in the class to know what your pet name is at home. I might call you Pickle for the rest of the time. <laughs> You're allowed. <laughs> so how did you get the funding to go? Because that's what I, I thought you oh, were probably... Yeah. I probably thought you were probably at the Wells Cathedral School and you were posh. No. And your dad said, hey, here's... Hey, Edgar, here's £15,000. Go and make an airplane western, which is sort of what you did. No, what happened was is I... I I used to make these videos like um, with the camera that I won on going live. Yeah. So I made as I made the first version of that with this video camera, and then I did some like festivals around the country. Like there's this festival called the Co-op Young Young Filmmakers Festival, and I'd been on some other TV shows as well, like Give Me Five with uh, the lovely Jenny Powell. And um, but so then I I went to art college, and then I remade for some things on 16 mil. And basically, the initial money came from the editor of the local paper had just got an inheritance and had like a big sort of tax loss to make and gave us like 11,000 pounds to make the entire movie, which we, we basically then filmed for as long as we could until the money ran out, which is basically 21 days. And then like we just, we, and, and I think for the last 10 days of that, we just, we just filmed without taking a day off. So we just filmed for as long as we could and, <coughs> until the money ran out. But I, I shot that when I was um, 20, yeah. like, with both kind of people from my art college and people from the Blue School and a couple of people from Kings of Wessex. What? How could yes. they cross over to the I know, amazing. <laughs> Just tempt them over with a bit of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's, pretty, it's a pretty amazing film. I don't know which, I guess I've seen the, the cinema release version on YouTube. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. but it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. I think it, to have the ambition and drive at 20 
to do all that and put all that together. And it got it got shown in some cinemas. It got shown next door at the Prince, Prince Charles. Charles. Yeah. yeah. It, well, it was one of those things that, like, where it's so powered along by, like, youthful naivety that if you stop to think about it for a second, it would completely collapse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but most people don't do that. That's what I think. Like, yeah. to, to be that young and to think, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then obviously led on to all the other things because people saw Matt and Matt Lucas and David Walliams saw it. They and yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was never that happy with it, really. And it also, <laughs> it, I think it really hit me. Making kind of amateur films is fine because people will give you, like... Um, the benefit of the doubt in terms of like, oh, well, it's an amateur film. But as soon as you present something in a cinema, even if it's in one cinema, you are reviewed against, like, mate. And we, this is the thing, Fistful of Fingers opened in the Prince Charles next door uh, the same weekend at the Odeon Leicester Square. Goldeneye opened. <laughs> now, so, and you kind of, and then there's the very surreal experience of seeing your film reviewed in the same week as Goldeneye. <laughs> And you kind of think that you'll be given, oh, they'll, but they'll, they'll give me the benefit of the doubt because it's cheap. No, it's like, and it, I always, I sort of, I think it really, it really like sort of bugged me for a long time because it wasn't as good as I want, it wasn't as good as it was in my head. And so I would sort of, you know, try to kind of then struggle to make the next film, you know, which was Sean like nine years later, like <laughs> as good as it was in my head you, know you can mean? see I mean you can see the, the, the way it's set up I mean you've got what I like about it is you've got quite a lot of West Country young men yeah. trying to be like Clint Eastwood and yeah. Americans and kind of getting a little bit of that in the, in the middle of there with no facial hair whatsoever <laughs> yeah. so but I, I think it's very it's, you know it, it isn't so quaint that it's ridiculously funny because of, of that but there's that element to it but I think you know it's, you can see that it, you can see the, the skill behind it I think so it's not, you know, and then it obviously led to you doing all these things and a show that uh, we're doing this very traditionally like a proper interview uh, going through we're not here haven't jumped around at all yet we'll see what happens next uh, so because um, then uh, you ended up doing Asylum which I'd never even heard of until this weekend yeah was it based on the Mendip Hospital in Wells <laughs> no I, I well and you were there around the same time but there was the, the Paramount Comedy Channel like around that time before I did Asylum I did a show with Matt Lucas and David Walliams when like I was the year after for the finger, so I was 21 and Matt was 21 and Dave was 23, and that was called Mash and Peas. I did this very, very silly sketch show with them, and then I did Asylum immediately afterwards. And you know, it was shot in a, I mean, it shot somewhere in Surrey in an in a old, like, asylum. Right. But it was very sort of, um, like, sort of, quite a thin conceit but then it had all these amazing people in it yeah like, that's what's it's and not just Simon and Jessica but Julian Barrett and Bill Bailey just like amazing people in that show just coming to do come down to shoot for a day or yeah. you know but it seemed like Paramount really because obviously Naira Parks and more um, oh, I forgot her name the uh, <laughs> you know family my family more who have who've gone on to be massive like in producers and directors and executives uh, they were sort of behind all of this we did we did festival of fun in Montreal me and Stu with Julian Barrett and Darren Barrett and Noel Fielding um, which they were sort of behind I think we I'd, it was a very hard thing for us to do and I think I'd treat because we were on BBC Two at the time or I think we were sort of having a year off from being on BBC Two and I think I was probably a bit dismissive of it all but they actually all those people Robert Popper was working on yeah. as the runner or something on that show <laughs> that all these people went on to be like you know so important in, in comedy in the next ten years and I fucked up <laughs> 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 by being by being dismissive and rude to them all, it was quite a hard job to do. But it, it was there was amazing, like you know, the Wally, the little Britain basically, you know, that that sort of started building up through there. And you know. yeah, there was it was a lot of people that were there at the same like because 
Sasha Baron Cohen did it first, right. first thing there. Lee Francis was like uh, worked in the art department. Oh, really? You know, so there was lots of people there that have like since gone on to other things. I remember Simon Ant still was around as well. He must have been about three years old. Yeah, so. <laughs> always been very young. Um, but it was a lot. It was quite an exciting time because it was a lot of young people putting together. And it's actually you can see it on YouTube Asylum. It's kind of worth a look. I think it's, it's you know you can again you can see lots of not Norman Lovett's in it. There's lots of stand-ups in it. Yeah, sort of being doing their stand-up material in slightly odd ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it feels a bit like this is cobbled together. You know. Basically, what it was. It actually yeah. was was like supposed to be just stand-ups in an asylum. And then the story and stuff. That's kind of like Simon and Jessica had done stuff before and had met before, but it was through that that they had a lot of scenes together that my family more, in fact, said, oh, those two should do a sitcom. You guys should write a sitcom. So nice. that's where Space came from. It's just that they were in scenes together. Yeah. And Julian Barrett, who was in Asylum, was originally supposed to play Mark Heap's part in Space. Um, so that character originally was written for him and it was a lot more like his character in Asylum. Right. And then that didn't work out, and um, Mark, he, we rewrote it for him. But it was funny because it was like, you know, it's like, oh, let's take Simon and Jess and Julian and do a show. It's good. Do you think there will ever be another series of Space? <laughs> I've got to ask it. But I've got a follow up that makes this a lot better. Because I've got an idea. <laughs> it's not what you think. It's not what you think. I've moved on from that. Do you want me to answer? I've got, oh. I've got an, I've got an idea because it's quite difficult. You know, it'd be difficult to get the cast of Space back together, right? Because they're movie stars. And... I think you don't want to see them older. That's no. my thing. What I'd suggest? <laughs> do you remember Saved by the Bell? Yes. That it, what they did when the people got too old? College years. Saved by the Bell. They did that first. That was when they were a bit older. Then they did Saved by the Bell, the new class. Ah. What I'd suggest? Why don't you do Spaced, the new cast, the new class? Where it's younger for some new people, and two of the characters can stay in. You have to choose out who's Mr. Belding. Do you not remember Save by the Bell? <laughs> Mr. Belding. I shouldn't know what Save by the Bell is. I am way too old to watch. I thought this would really hit with my target demographic. When they, I love Save by the Miss Screech and Mr. Belding stayed in. Yeah. They, were the, they, good, they were, were the funny characters, right? Yeah. And so you could get, like, Nick Frost and Mark Heap could stay in it. <laughs> They're, they, for me, are... Screech, Mr. Belding. <laughs> and then you bring in a whole new crazy lot of kids in and then you could do a whole new series. I don't know. No? No. <laughs> I've all, I also want to... I quite like the idea, because it's quite hard writing a new sitcom. I've got an idea for a sitcom, which is about a man who's obsessed with the series Goodnight Sweetheart. and just watches it over and over again till his wife says, why are you still watching this? You're going insane. And he becomes so obsessed with Goodnight Sweetheart, he goes and looks at all the locations of Goodnight Sweetheart because he likes it so much. Then he goes down Duckett's Alley and finds himself taken back in time to the set of Goodnight Sweetheart. <laughs> and then he, because he's sort of angry with Goodnight Sweetheart because it's a missed opportunity. It should have been a fucking brilliant sitcom. And it's wasted by being this stupid, farcical, nonsensical thing that doesn't even understand how time travel works. But he could go back and then be critical of that, but also get off with Dervla Kerwin in the beginning, not the one who takes it. Then he goes over to... <laughs> once they change the, the cast. Do you not familiar who with... Plays, who plays young... Uh, oh, no, I guess they don't know. Who would play young... Who would play the other... You'd have Lindhurst in the real show. Well, I don't know if you'd be able to, because he looks too... I would look weird now. I don't know if... You know, it's kind of... It's like when they did... Um, 
Man on the Moon and they had the cast of uh, Taxi playing themselves. Yes. Did you ever see that? Yes, it's And strange. it really looks wrong because <laughs> they're about 30 years older and they're still trying to walk around like they're 20-year-old. Have you, have you ever yeah. seen any films or <laughs> do you watch television? I thought you'd be interested in this. I'm doing a... <laughs> <laughs> so I think you'd have to get someone who looked like Nicholas Lindhurst younger to play Nicholas Lindhurst. Nicholas Lindhurst now could play himself now in the present time, and the man who's in the when he's in the future, when in the present time, he could go and track down Nicholas Lindhurst and go. Do you like, remember it me? It could be like Looper. He could. You can have Nicholas Lindhurst <laughs> in prosthetics. Yeah, and make him look younger. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know if we would have the budget for that <laughs> because. I am imagining I have to make this on my What's own. The, what? <laughs> With, without the permission of the good night of the people at Marks and Gran. Because they probably won't like me going, that was, that was shit. That's it. Uh, do you have a title? Because I have a title for you. What is it? Good night, good night, sweetheart, yeah. sweetheart. Yeah, that was, that was one. Thought. Or you have to make it a 1992 song, like something by East 17. Everybody in the House of Love or something would have to be. Because that's what Good Night Sweetheart Just is. Just have to explain everything Good Night no. Sweetheart was a wartime song. So the character coming back, I would come, the character would come back from the future and then he would go to Nicholas Lindhurst and pretend he'd written songs from the future and Nicholas Lindhurst would be such an idiot he wouldn't even realise his own trick was being played on him by this new, and he'd be coming with iPhones going, oh yeah, I got that because I'm working in the Secret Service. Nicholas Lindhurst wouldn't call know it, that. Call it Stay Another Day. There you go, you <laughs> got it. Another... It's their big hit. That's, that is fantastic. Was it from 1992, though? We'll have to do some research, probably. No, I'm uh, going to say 1991. Yeah, okay. That, that will be fine. <laughs> I, think, I don't even know when Goodnight Sweetheart was made, to be honest. I'd probably have to do a bit more work. Let's go to, let's go to an emergency question. Shamefully, somebody on Twitter has alerted Edgar Wright to this question. So he should be prepared. Boo. Thank you. Andy McKeacher, this is the face of angry fandom. Look how angry he is. So angry the two people next to him were spontaneously combusted. Um, <laughs> have you ever tried to suck your own cock? Not at Wookie Hole Caves. Because <laughs> there was always someone to do it for me there. <laughs> the witch. <laughs> your mum. Uh, so, um, <laughs> And I'll get the other emergency. I could ne never have sexual relations with my teacher. <laughs> it's that in, in Cheddar, like about, in Kings of Wessex, honestly, about five teachers were married to pupils. There was one in the blue school as well. Was the, yeah. It was no problem, but it was different times. It was a much, much better time. You could just, that was made it easier for the teachers. They could concentrate more on their work if their wives were in the class. They, didn't, they could have conversations. They married them after the, they were pupils, usually. All games teachers like just fuck girls on matches in the woods, right? That happened everywhere. I was, I was not a big sports kid. So I, wouldn't, I wouldn't see any of that. <laughs> That's what you, you end up on the mattresses if you're not careful. That's what, I'm not saying any of the teachers at my school did that. <laughs> if you had to choose between having a hand made out of ham, yeah. or, a, I mean, you haven't heard this question, no one's tripped you off this one, or an armpit that dispenses sun cream, but only a, like a, you know, two bottles a year amount of sun cream. Not an in, it's not an infinite amount of sun cream. You have to choose the factor. You can't then sway from that choice. 
Uh, your hand made of ham, you can eat it, but um, it will grow back eventually, but not immediately. <laughs> if you could nibble it and that would grow back, or I, you can wait a month. I go for the, the hand of ham. Would you, yeah. Because I, I tend to stay out of the sun anyway, so sun cream would be useless to me. Right. Because I don't tend to be in the sun. But I do like buying my nails, so the yeah. ham would be a tasty treat. They would be like pork... <laughs> I imagine the nails would be like pork scratchings. Yeah. Which, uh, Good. Yeah. I, I saw like how it. pork scratchings were made this week, actually, on, uh, uh, on the Hairy Bikers. We discussed, uh, <laughs> they went and made some uh, pork scratchings. It's made just from... Uh, pork scratchings just made from that part of the pig. I mean, they're not... They're not exactly that part, because that's a human leg. <laughs> but the sort of groinal thigh area. My, my, friend, my friend used to work at, like, um, is it Miller's? Do they still have Miller's, the pork pie people? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But my, it was Miller's, wasn't it? I don't know. Was it Miller's? Miller's? Does that ring a bell? No. No. <laughs> Might be a Wells firm. Let me come back to Never that. Never went out. You can cut that bit out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? No, he just said, like, he said, you know Miller's pork pies? He goes, I worked there at the summer. He goes, Never eat one. <laughs> <laughs> you, and you take that advice. Yeah. Well, it's like John Thompson used to work at, uh, at a, a plant that bottled uh, canned fizzy drinks, and he just said that rats ran all over the. If don't never drink direct from a can, because just rats pissed all over the cans all the time. That's uh, a bit late my, for most of you by the sounds of it. <laughs> my mother once worked at Cadbury's on the assembly line, and apparently at Cadbury's, if you're working on the assembly line, they say eat as much chocolate as you want. Because they know that after like a day you'll be fucking sick of it. Yeah, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have cream eggs coming out of my face. Um, Stuart Lee, as well, used to work at an orange juice for uh, <laughs> bottling plants. He was the quality controller of the orange juice. That was his job. And this was like straight after university. He was like 20 years old. I don't think he was in a position to to do this. I can't remember where they are, what, what the firm was. It was somewhere near Oxford. Uh, one time, the machine got clogged up and they opened it up. No. And it was full of maggots. No! <laughs> so don't drink that orange juice either. I mean, basically, just don't eat anything that you haven't prepared yourself. <laughs> if you eat pork scratchings, you're going to eat a pig's cock at some point, is what I'm telling you. Hey, not for the first time, eh? I'm sorry, I apologise for that. It was completely, <laughs> completely unwarranted. So back to yeah, I'm being hissed, I'm being hissed. I was pointing at John Galtiani, that's what I was pointing at. He's the one who's had, yeah, I know his name, nearly. You're married? That's not your wife? Fucking hell. Look at this nerd. Look at that, I mean, he looks actually... Hello. Look at that. Actually, you're on the thing already. <laughs> look, you look quite like Edgar Wright, but look at that. How did that happen? Massive cock. Let's have a look. <laughs> Doesn't look that big. <laughs> uh, am I big? <laughs> Is it inappropriate, John? If I cross the line? Not really. No, not really. It's me, so I haven't crossed the line. He's done very, very, he's done very well there. Uh, <laughs> want to swap? Have you seen my missus? Do you want to swap for? Have you ever have you ever read Switch Bitch by uh, Roald Dahl? <laughs> it, you know, it's it, different times. That was all right as a title in the 1970s. Two men who look quite similar. We've got, we've got similar. They grew a beard, so they look the same. They swapped over 
They both fancied each other's wives. So one night, they kind of learned each other's sexual techniques and the way they work. So they, and they went over, they were next door to each other. We don't live next door to each other, so it made this a bit harder. And what they changed over and they had sex in the dark with their wives. They essentially raped each other's wives. <laughs> this is <was laughs> tales of the unexpected. Uh, and uh, one of the guys really liked to take time and pleasure his wife, and the other one just was a kind of wham-bam, thank you, man. And then in the morning, Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't read Switch Bitch by Roald Dahl. We're laughing and learning, aren't we, today? The other guy who made love slowly. I feel like I'm wasting my time with Edgar right here. Uh, the guy who made love my slowly. Da- my dad used to have this book, but I never read it. Oh, you should read it. It's really good. Uh, he, uh, he, the one, he refused to do it the way, so he made love to the other wife in the way he would make love to his own wife. And in the morning, the wife whose husband was the quick lover went, oh, you were amazing last night. I don't know what happened. I've never really enjoyed having sex with you before, but last night you were amazing, and that was the twist. <laughs> so, do you fancy having a crack at that? I'm the one who goes... <laughs> I'll be the one who goes really fast. <laughs> Anyway, back to Edgar Wright. Are we going to discuss this in our own spare time? We're not, it's not wasting Edgar Wright. He could be editing with the world's end now. She would, no, she wouldn't want you back. So I am amazing. You'd have to put on about four stone as well. So we'd have to work over... Stop talking about this. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the new, let's talk about the new film before I forget, in case we forget to do that, because there is time. Um, we haven't even gotten to Shaun of the Dead. I don't think it's wasting my time with rubbish questions. <laughs> uh, what, the, the World's End? Yes. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about what I've, I've seen a little bit of it online and at various places. It's very good. It's very exciting, I think. Thank you. So uh, how much are you allowed to talk about it? Well, I can... Because uh, it's out next month. It's out next but month. with your stuff, there's always some nice little surprises and juicy bits that we don't there want to give away. There are some juicy bits. It's not all in the trailer, some people... No like to imagine but it's um, no it's uh, it's the third script that I've written with Simon and um, we wanted to do a third film that was in we never were going to do sequels to the other two so we wanted to do like a, a thematic sequel like a tonal kind of like trilogy and like make another film that was felt like a, a piece with the other the other two and so they're all kind of like the, the, the fun thing for us doing those films and you know, because the, each one has got slightly bigger, is it's just fun, kind of causing chaos in locations that you grew up in. Yeah. You know, because they look sort of we, we tried as much as we can, even though they get kind of bigger and more elaborate to make them very British. Yeah. And uh, so I'm very pleased with the new one of just kind of causing complete havoc in Letchworth and Welling Garden City, <laughs> and uh, laying sort of uh, garden cities to waste, and uh, it's always a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, it's about um, it's Simon's character. It's about a, a, a group of friends who um, try and recreate a pub crawl that they did when they were teenagers. Yes. And one of whom is very enthusiastic about doing it and four of them are not. And it's based on me doing a, trying to do a pub crawl in my hometown when I was 19. Yeah. Which didn't go very well. I, was like tw- I think there was like th- maybe like 15 pubs in Wells in Somerset. And I got to number six before I got completely blackout drunk. <laughs> and I think the fact that I never finished it gnaws at me. Yeah. And then 20 years later, there's a movie. And, but it's got to be a disaster because like, I think I probably could have drunk 12 pints when I was 18, just. Oh, I could. I, I, fa- I found out I couldn't. No, <laughs> but I definitely couldn't do it now because I drink two pints. I'm really feeling like throwing up. 
So I understand why men move to whiskey at my age, because you can have a whiskey and then you don't feel bloated. So that, that, that's got to be... But it was quite interesting about... Um, <laughs> you might look bloated, but you don't feel it, and that is the important... Uh, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, Simon plays a kind of slightly less lovable character than usual, I would say. From He's, he's usually a bit of a fool, but a li- likeable fool. And well, he's a bit nasty. I, mean, I like it, but he's a bit nasty, wouldn't you say? He's, he's, he's basically... I mean, More the, of a prick. Yeah. I think sort of he is one of those... He's, I think a lot of people have that... There's that character of that person in your, you know, that was the, the coolest kid at school who is now no longer the coolest kid. Yeah. But the person who's really clinging on to their teens... The Fonz. Yeah, like the Fonz. Like the Fonz. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely, because he's based on... Well, actually, one of the films that inspired it, in a way, is American Graffiti, which nice. is like the precursor. And the Paul Matt character in that, which is the, then the basis for the Fonz, is exactly that guy. Same as Matthew McConaughey's character in Days of Confused, the guy who stayed back in the town yeah. and stayed there too long and is still going to the same bars. So I think like Simon's character is that the others have grown up and he really wants to drag them all back to their teenage years when he was the king. Hmm. But I think as Simon had done like both, you know, in the other two films, he's more likable. Although, you know, that he wanted to play like the sort of a bit more of the wild man in this one than the straight man. Yeah. But he's so great. And what's funny is that Simon, when he was at school, used to be a goth. <laughs> like there's, fo- there's photos of him with kind of like, you know, full on sort of cure duds and he used to like um, Fields of the Nephilim and Sisters of Mercy and Bauhaus and The Cure so he was actually in his element in this costume he said it was his favourite costume to wear because he's in the kind of like the trench coat he's like got the six form trench coat still on and the DMs yeah. and uh, he, was, he was loving being in that costume and the dyed black hair Yes, it was, yeah, it's unusual, but it's good. It's unusual to see him. But it's an amazing relationship that, that, that he and Nick have. That obviously, you've worked with them through all of the stuff they've done together, I suppose, more or less. Yeah. And pretty much everything, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, so, and Nick is a little bit more square, I guess, in this one, or a little bit more... Well, it's funny, because in the time that I've known Nick, since when I, fir- I first met him just before Spaced, and he was pretty much like the character in Shaun of the Dead in some respects, you know, and nicer than the character in Shaun of the Dead. But he was Simon's, like, flatmate, and he'd been working in... He worked at Chiquito's in Stables Corner, and he hadn't acted before, but he was, like, you know, Simon's, like, um, you know, flatmate. Yeah. And, you know, in the, the time that I've known him, he's, like, not only become, like, a successful actor, but is, like, a dad and is married yeah. and so I think it was nice to do something with his character where it reflects the fact that he's like a grown up now you know and so there was it, it sort of you'll see in the movie it starts to sort of change but definitely when it's just that thing of I think it's always an interesting thing when you go back to your hometown and you meet kind of people that you were really friendly with, with at school and you know some people you can just kind of fall straight back in with and other people like your lives are completely different yeah and I'm always you know like I, I always feel like a charlatan that I don't really have like a proper job you know <laughs> and my my friends have proper jobs and proper lives and stuff so I always think oh, what I'm doing is a bit silly <laughs> compared to them I'm not sure what they think um, but is that thing I always I always that, that, that thing I don't know if you go back to Cheddar much but no. whenever I would <laughs> I, can't, I can't be amongst those people now now I've got all this they wouldn't understand it even the electricity would be confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do now. I've, uh, I've got I know exactly. What you mean. Yeah, no, I can move around quite easily without being. Uh, 
noticed. Though I was, I was uh, walking down the road in North London uh, at the weekend, and a man cycled past with headphones on, and as he cycled past, he shouted, I'm listening to you! <laughs> so I don't know whether he was listening to a podcast or just was a very bad spy. <laughs> when, I, when we were making Hot Fuzz, because we made Hot Fuzz in my hometown, so we were shooting in my hometown, which, was, which wasn't originally the plan. It was like written with Wells and Somerset in mind. And we actually went around a whole bunch of other towns before. Because right. I just assumed that Wells would say no. Yeah. Because it's quite, uh, you know... Well, you're right in the heart of historic Wells. Yeah. It's kind of unbelievable to see that shootout going. When you know yeah. the area, and the shootout in the town square... Uh, and the, with the crosses, it's like really old things in there that you sort of think. No, I was, I was always, I was always convinced they were going to throw us out at some point. And we were shooting that scene um, where the kind of the NWA are all in their cloaks, and we were shooting it in the Bishop's Palace. And I was, and none of the town had read the script. Nobody had had script approval. The locations, and I thought. Some, the Bishop of Bath and Wells is going to, they said, oh, the Bishop of Bath and Wells is going to come down yeah. and watch some of it, some of the filming. And I thought, we're going to get thrown out. And he came down, but he came down with a fun camera. And it was like the Bishop of Bath and Wells <laughs> with a fun camera going, eh, 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 and taking like sort of snaps between takes. But I always thought we were going to get chucked out of the yeah. town. Second mention of the Bishop of Bath and Wells so far in this series <laughs> of uh, the podcast. Hopefully we'll go for a hat-trick with Mark Thomas. <laughs> I think it was the Bishop of Bath and Wells, wasn't it? I'm assuming it's a different one that Stephen Fry met in prison. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, damn, I had a really good uh, question before I got distracted by that. Oh, well, it's gone. These things happen. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Uh, gone. Something. This happens in the Jonathan Ross show. They just cut it out in the Jonathan Ross show. He goes, oh, can't think... <laughs> I can't think what I was going to say was a really important bit. I was going to ask you about something, about Wells. Ah, oh, well, it's I gone. worked at, the, you know, the Summerfields in the movie. I worked, that was my other job. Wookie Hole Car Park, I only did for one summer. Right. But I worked at Summerfields, uh, before that it was Gateway. Yes. We for had a Gateway like five years as my sort of like Saturday job and Easter job and summer job. I wonder if I ever came by and bought... Uh, saw this young shelf stacker. Yeah. Thought that kid's got something. <laughs> If I seen him on Going Live at some point, <laughs> probably. It can't, no, be, it can't be the same kid from Going Live. <laughs> he's, stack, he's stacking the Pampers. <laughs> it can't be him. Would you go back to the summer field if, uh, if the film directing doesn't work out? Well, it, it, um, it closed. <laughs> yeah. And I have the S from Summerfield in my house. Have you? I do. I have the blue, I have the blue S. Are you ever tempted to go back and buy Summerfield and then destroy it? I think big... it's gone bust. I don't no. think it but exists could, or it doesn't exist You could in buy Wales. the building and then... If I was like a big Hollywood movie staff director like you are, and had millions of pounds like you have, I would buy that. <laughs> I'd buy everywhere I'd work. Cheddar Caves, I'd buy that and then destroy it with a... <laughs> destroy well, the big thing. You know those big cranes with a ball on the end? In a similar vein, when yeah. Summerfield's closed down, somebody from the local paper said... Uh, we'd like you to sign the S from Summerfields because we're going to give it to charity. And I said, why don't I pay you for the S and you give that money to charity because I want the S. <laughs> <laughs> so I have it. So I gave them like I gave them like 200 quid and I have the S. It's they, mine. They're thinking, what a chump. There's loads of those Summerfield S's. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that particular S. My manager at the time, who the Timothy Dalton character is slightly based on, whose name 
was such a silly uh, name for a supermarket manager that we didn't put it in the script because it sounded like a made up like <laughs> Trumpton. His name, a supermarket manager, was Mr. Stockwell. <laughs> so we didn't call him Mr. Stockwell. But he used to let me, when I was ongoing live and give me five, he used to let me have like Saturdays off to go and do it. And he was always very sweet. But this is. Some little girls going, ah, but I'll be well. After I'd been on Going Live, there was an incident where a baby had been sick by the tills and I had to clean it up. And the manager walked past and said really loudly, he goes, he's not in Hollywood yet, is he? <laughs> and when you got to Hollywood, did you rig him up? He's sad. Go, I am in Hollywood now. Did you go to his grave? He's sadly no longer he's, with us, I was going to say. If I was you, I'd go to his grave. I'd have the wrecking ball thing ready. But before I took his grave apart, I'd go, yeah, I am in fucking Hollywood now. <laughs> and where are you? Uh, where are you? In the ground. And your grave is about to be destroyed. <laughs> I have paid for it. I'm no, gonna... he's a sweet man. No, okay. He was That's a sweet I'd man. Do if I was you, if I had your power. <laughs> I already have the S. I'm, ha I'm happy. That's my picture of Dorian Gray. I, I always have the Summerfield S. <laughs> I, I love this about space. There was the American version of space. Oh yeah, which um, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> when you then when you took it to America, the guy said, "Yeah, we'd have to change a few things. We'd have to take out the drugs and the swearing, and obviously Mike can't have guns." He said, hey, "This is what was amazing. This is an American producer saying." Oh, in our version, Mike can't have guns because in this country, guns are frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's got, he hasn't got enough guns. He's only got a hundred guns. It's not enough. <laughs> that, was, that, was the, that was the first of two aborted versions of space. That one, that one was like, whilst the show was on air, they tried to make an American version of it that didn't get past the pilot stage. And then way, way later, they actually made a pilot like that they, you know, that me and Simon caused a bit of a stink about because they, they sort of implied that we were involved when we weren't and so we weren't that happy about that. Have you thought about this could work? <laughs> In the American version, Dominic thing who plays Dustin Diamond who plays Screech and Mr. Belding. Dustin Diamond? Yeah, they could play. They could, rather than have two people trying to be them, that was, that was where I went wrong with that idea. We actually get them into the American version. Space by the bell. <laughs> yeah, it's going to work. Screech now I'm gonna... in. Yeah, no. I'll write it up. You don't even have to do any work. If you just come in direct, the good night, sweetheart. Good night. Good night, good night, sweetheart, sweetheart. That would be good. <laughs> uh, it says on Wikipedia, which might not be true, that American Wealth in London was a big influence on you. It's true. I love that movie. Yeah. It's I... a big influence on me. Because of the amount of nudity in it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've made it. I've, this is again, probably why I'm not a successful film director. I've made it my life's mission to give Cunnilingus uh, to Jenny Agatha. To Jenny Agatha. <laughs> and so far it hasn't happened, but, but that's one of the five, Katie. Okay, uh, I've got, I'm allowed five celebrity shags. When, and I would, who else is in there? Um, 13 from House. I don't know her real name, don't care. Uh, Olivia, Amy, Olivia Wilde, Amy, Olivia Wilde is her name. Yeah, Olivia Wilde, I, don't want, to, I want the character, not <laughs> Olivia Wilde. Uh, th Amy Pond from Doctor Who, the yeah. character, not the... Alison Brie, the actual actress, <laughs> not any of the characters she plays. She's great, have you seen Alison Brie? Not Trudy Campbell? No, who's no. that? Uh, that's, that's the character she plays in Mad Men. Oh, that's true, yes, of course it is. Um, Anne Widdicombe. <laughs> 
and Jenny Act. I've got a couple of the older ladies in there. That's all right. Well, and Whitcomb's the old one out there. Well, because why? Why do you assume it has to be an attractive young woman? You sexist. Uh, older women have a lot to give. It's mainly because she's a virgin, and I'm just you know I like a challenge. <laughs> But Jenny Agatha's probably the same age as Anne Widdicombe. Yeah, but that's what I mean. I'm, no, that's yeah, what I'm not, I've got no problem with the, the no, old women. Me neither. And I just also think if Anne Widdicombe opened up a bit and just kind of... <laughs> not like that. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe being made love to by one of the world's greatest lovers <laughs> is the thing that would make her... She'd go, oh, maybe gay people aren't so bad after all. <laughs> now I've had sex with Richard Herring. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so it's a good bit. That's the bit I liked in American World London. She's in a shower. She said, I love Jenny Agatha. Have you worked, you've worked with Jenny Agatha? She's no, in. I never. Have you not had Jenny Agatha in any of your no, films? No. Why not? I think probably. How you can know. you like American World London and not put Jenny Agatha? Can you in your next film for me? Can you put Jenny Agatha receiving oral sex <laughs> and then having a shower? The, um, when I first came to... Then, wait, wait, wait. I'm, gonna, then I, I'm, not, around, I'm not dodging the question. And then swimming around in the, in the, in the, in the pool in that film. My, my brain's gone... Logan's, Logan's run. run. That's the best. If I could travel back in time... Because <laughs> she's a local girl as well. She was, she was a West Country girl as well, Jenny Agatha. Where's she so from? There was, I think she was in somewhere in Devon, I think. Anyone know? She was quite close because I worked out, you know, there was... I once saw her in the BBC Canteen when I was 23 and she was about 30, late 30s. And that's feasible. I could feasibly, you know, apart from me being an unattractive 23-year-old man and her being a sophisticated actress, I could feasibly, at that moment, you know, we could have had a brief relationship where she had a toy boy. <laughs> but when I was young, she was in the, you know, I was too young when she was famous. She was a bit older than me. That was the moment, wasn't it? I, went, I, I genuinely went weak at the knees when I, when I went, walked past Jenny Agatha, seriously. But I think it might have just been some kind of muscle memory. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever listened? Have you ever listened to the? Have you ever listened to the commentary on the American Wealth DVD? I don't know if I have. I've got it. There's a cast commentary with David Norton and Griffin Dunn, and when Jenny Agus comes on screen, they both go quiet for about ninety seconds, <laughs> and then one of them goes, "Oh, Jenny." <laughs> <laughs> and it seems to me that that silence speaks volumes that they probably both tried to copy. <laughs> they would have to. Wait, Jeff. But when I first came to London, yeah. I tried to find the porn cinema that was in American Wealth in London at Piccadilly Circus, which yeah. doesn't actually exist. No. It's now a kebab shop. It's not good, is it? That's not good. Do you think it I don't think it was a porn, a porn cinema at the time either. I think I actually asked John Landis about it. it was, I met John Landis and said, where's the, where's the porn cinema? <laughs> is it still showing that? <laughs> With Lindsay. Lindsay Drew. Drew. I did a thing at the BFI recently. I showed it because they have this Screen Epiphanies thing. And my, I got like uh, actors from the film to come and do their lines again on stage because me and my friends would do impressions from that film all the time, particularly like um, David Schofield, who's the darts player, yeah. who says, "You made me miss," <laughs> and also the commuter, who's played by Michael Carter, who um, has the line at Tottenham Court Road, who says. Uh, Hello, is there anybody there? I can assure you this is the least bit of music. <laughs> Which you actually use in your film, it's Help. No, it's in, it's in, um, yeah. oh, it is in that. It's also in space as is well. It? <laughs> I've done it twice. <laughs> good, it's good to know where that came from. It's, a, it's an amazing film. I love that film. It's, it's, Hello, it's, there's no one of that name here. Lindsay, Hello, Lindsay Drew's finest moment. <laughs> Her son is now in that sitcom. 
you know that his son is yes. in the sitcom Outnumbered? I do know that because uh, Ben he, Ben Dover. He's the son of Ben Dover and Lindsay, Lindsay Drew. Drew. <laughs> ben Dover did Tiger a Honey Drew. Yeah, he did a show after me in in Edinburgh, in which uh, the, the Ben Dover, who is a uh, soft porn actor that probably you, most of you Hard, are hardcore unaware of. It's quite hardcore porn. I've never <laughs> seen... He's one of his... <laughs> you know, people after gigs, people have like DVDs and things like that to sell. Uh, one of Bendover's pieces of merchandise is a dildo of his own cock. That he sells. Which I might try that. I should have done that for talking cock, shouldn't I? <laughs> maybe I did, and maybe just no one noticed them on the table. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of... It's, it is a sort of odd... It's an odd thing that that's, that that's his parents. That's worse than having your, your teachers, your parents being teachers, don't you think? Your parents being in porn films. I'll take Pickle over that, yeah. <laughs> take Pickle <laughs> If they call him Pickle in the porn... Pickle, come on. I'm trying to work here. Get back to... Do your homework. It, he seems to work worked out night. He's the, he's the most well-behaved of those kids in Outnumbered, isn't he? <laughs> I've lost them to that. The thing is, I think they're your crowd. They just they don't, they don't understand anything I say. Talk about Star Wars or something like that. How, what do you think about the new Star Wars? The new, the three. Well, they're not new, but the other three they did that weren't the original ones. I don't know. I hope it's like I am not a fan of the first three. I mean, the prequels, not the middle three. Yeah. So I'd like them to be more like the original three and, and yeah. less like the ones from ten years ago. Yeah, they weren't which very I, good. No, I wasn't. I wasn't a fan. But it's for kids, and they grow up. <laughs> People in space, zombies, robots, and stuff. They're rubbish, isn't it? Why don't they do a proper? I remember. I remember telling my brother that I'd heard. I hadn't even seen it. I remember telling my brother, I "said Oh, I hear Phantom Menace is no good." He was like, "No, no." He like refused to believe it initially. He was so angry at me <laughs> for telling him that, telling him the bad news that maybe it wasn't supposed how to be that great. Think, how do you think that happens? So that someone like that takes has a vision in the first place. You worry that that could happen to you that you're doing these films and that you could just suddenly miss the boat and put a Jar Jar Binks in... Is there a Jar Jar Binks <laughs> character in the world's end? No, yeah, but no. in ten years' time... There's still time, isn't there? There's still time him. today, you could go back Because <laughs> I tell you what, the, the good thing about the world's end is that it's Tim from The Office is in it. That is that you have learnt... You have learnt a valuable filmmaking lesson. Though, again, I would advise you to go back and remake the film with him as Tim from The Office, not playing this stupid character he plays it's got to just be Tim from the office <laughs> the original and the best you have missed the opportunity I think well maybe you haven't to put a Shrek in it Shrek? yeah I think a Shrek why not have an extra friend you could do this with CGI because it's not even real <laughs> the Shrek uh, just go back tonight next couple of days there's the five mates and then there's and also Shrek. Anna Shrek <laughs> people like Shrek yeah honestly the film would do a lot better if you do that put a Shrek in. It's not the Shrek, so you don't have to worry about any copyright issues. It's just a Shrek. It's a different Shrek. Did you, when they had the last Shrek, what was the last Shrek called? It had a funny title. It was like a pun that didn't quite, but the, the billboards, I just remember that the, the tagline, I, remember, I think it was in the States when it came out, maybe it's exactly the same here, but the tagline, which I always thought was a bit strange, was, what the Shrek just happened? <laughs> For a kids film. <laughs> it's exactly what you would say as you were leaving that movie. Yeah. Is that the one where Rumpelstiltskin's in it? Is that the fourth? That... I have never seen oh, I love Shrek. the first one. Oh yeah, it's the first one is is good. 
I never saw a Shrek 2. The mistake they make with the, the whatever the last one is, it three or four? Four. Too many Shreks. <laughs> it's got to be one. There's a lot of Shreks in it. There's two, there's fucking hundreds of them. They thought we're onto a good thing. Shrek, people like Shrek. Let's put in a hundred Shreks. No. That's not how it works, is it? You can't put in a hundred Cornettos in one of your films. It's got to be one, one or two Cornettos. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there a Cornetto in the new film? There is. I won't tell you where. Yeah, <laughs> I won't tell you where. If the first person to spot it wins a lifetime supply of Cornettos, it's hidden away. Yeah. Yeah. Do Cornetto ever pay you any money for saying Cornetto all the time? No. And but will they pay me Cornetto? <laughs> this is true. Is that we? The reason it's in the in Shaun of the Dead is because um, it used to be my hangover cure when I was at college. Hmm. I used to have a Cornetto if I was hungover. I used to feel a lot better. Cornetto probably do not support this advice. <laughs> but then, so we wrote that into the first film, and Nick Frost asked for a Cornetto, because we thought it would be a funny thing to ask for first thing on a Sunday morning. Then at the premiere, free Cornettos. Amazing. <laughs> so on the way out of the premiere, we all had, like, Cornettos. I thought, this is incredible. Let's write it into the second film <laughs> and get some more ice cream. Hot fuzz premiere, 2007. No Cornettos. So we thought we'd go for third time lucky. And you could it hot fuzz and that, if it's hot, people think, oh, what do I need, a Cornetto? <laughs> cool, to cool down. Something co- cool and not fuzzy. <laughs> we like had original title was Hot Hot Summer Me Like Ice Cream. <laughs> <laughs> me want ice cream now. <laughs> you know, you can't get Cornettos in Venice. Really? I was very disappointed with that. There is... There is, I went to Venice with my wife for our proper honeymoon. To see that man. Was to go and get, a, well, to go on a Cornetto, go on a gondola. And, and sing the song. Go, just one Cornetto, because I bet those folks have never heard that. <laughs> go, can't join in. I bet they can all do it if you'd sing. It's but very they, hard they, to they go. Probably don't know, they probably none of them know the song. They will do, because English people will come there and go, just do one Cornetto. <laughs> Which is like a very racist thing can to do. Say, just do one Cornetto. <laughs> But they couldn't, there were nowhere. It's very hard to go to Venice. I challenge anyone to do this without, that, without accidentally humming that song. <laughs> At can, any point. Can you, can you remember all the lyrics? Yeah, yeah. Well, just the one cornetto, give it that to me. Delicious, Delicious ice cream from, from Italy. Italy. The nut and chuck a dream, I'm guessing. <laughs> give me cornetto from Wars Ice Cream. Hey! Then there's an oi, he gets his phone. But we both missed a bit in the middle. Yeah. I know, I, I, I had a blank on that as well. The it's, nut and chocolate dream. Is that what it is? I don't know, that's why Anybody? I made up. There's loads. You can do it now. All those things that used to go for years, you, what, what was that lyric in? YouTube. Yeah, just go and just Google it and then the lyrics are written up usually correctly. The, uh, the f- lyrics to Friends, I could never work out. Um, your love life's, it goes, your love's life's... Nah, nah, nah. DOA. Yeah, but I never got that until I looked it up. <laughs> I mean, it ruins everything because you can argue about those things for, for a long time. Maybe we should do this, you know, off... <laughs> oh, look, I've got, before, we, we, I'll let you go because you've got to finish your film. Uh, I've got, got to some, put Shrek in it. Uh, there's a lot of work to do with the Shrek. <laughs> you can fit him in in most places. You could just probably just superimpose on Nick Frost. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> You know what? Uh, he won't mind me telling the story. He was asked, you, you laugh, he was asked to be in Shrek the Musical and his response was, fuck that. <laughs> but he was, he was asked to be in Shrek the Musical. They got someone really good to be Shrek in the first one, that guy from uh, Four, Four Lines. Lines. Nigel Lindsay. Yeah. yeah. How do, why did he do it? Uh, <laughs> the Green. I understand why Richard Blackwood's doing it, but why did the guy from... <laughs> 
Um, these are some questions from Welsh children. Uh, and when they asked, first asked the question in this podcast, um, they made Stephen Fry admit he'd try to kill himself. So that's what we're after. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did you have fun making Spaced? <laughs> Let's see what comes out of it. That is from Archie van der Vlet. And when is season three coming out? I asked you that. That's no good. Um, this is a good question because I don't really... I, this doesn't sound like a real thing, but it is. Who is Ant-Man and why does he merit a film about himself? Ben Evans. Uh, well, you will see. I haven't even started making it yet. Who the actor is, we don't know yet. But me and Joe Cornish wrote a script and we're going to start making it next year. So have to wait and see. Ant-Man. <laughs> Man turned into a bat. That makes sense. An ant. I'm sure he did Ant-Man as a joke. I love ants. Have you, ever, have you seen in Shan Andalus where the ants... Yes. Are, yeah, fuck, yeah. Russell Brand didn't know what I was talking about last week. In Shan Andalus. It's in the Pixies song. Yeah, it is. <laughs> ants coming out your hand. Put that in one of your films. I will. And the eyeball being cut in half. I will. Along yeah. uh, Shrek's eyeball. <laughs> yeah, good. Shrek with ants coming out of his hands. That would work. The Louis Bunuel version of Shrek would be amazing. <laughs> what the Shrek is and, going and on? Shrek, <laughs> and Shrek and a Lou. I'm in. It's good. With Gary Sparrow in it as well. <laughs> All right, I'll do one more. Um, Nick Frost to do that one. Yeah. What is your favourite film from the following genres? Okay. Comedy, horror, sci-fi. Archie van der Vlet. This is back to Archie van der Vlet. Comedy. Yeah. Raising Arizona. Okay. Horror. Let's say American Wealth in London. What was yeah. the third one? It was, what is your... Oh, yes, okay. Uh, and uh, sci-fi. Um, 2001. A Space uh. Odyssey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell whether that was uh, disappointed or impressed. What about 2010. I saw that, the yeah. year we make contact. <laughs> I, I saw I that before it. 2001. Did you? I did, at the cinema, I saw 2010. Did there, is there, was there any, I didn't see 2000. It said previously 2000, on 2001. 2004, <laughs> 2005, 2006, 2007, 2008, 2009, so a bit lost. <laughs> I didn't see one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, fuck off. <laughs> it's an old Lee and Harry Jones. Oh, that was... Uh, I nearly remember what I was going to ask before. <laughs> you could re it. about Lee and Harry. I don't think it was the same, but when you were talking about porn films, uh, porn cinemas, we, there was a, in one of the Fist of Fun sketches, we came, there's me and John Thompson coming out of a porn cinema, but that was a real porn cinema, but it's not there anymore, so don't go searching for it. I'm guessing no one did. Uh, <laughs> it's now probably a sex shop. It was down there. Right, look, well, I think we should probably uh, let you get back to... Have I forgotten to ask him anything important, do you think? Fargus. Oh, well, <laughs> we can't let you go. We can't let you go. What was I thinking? How could I let you go back to work on your film without asking? When you eat asparagus, which I'm presuming you do, yeah. mainly probably only asparagus, now you live in Hollywood. <laughs> Apart from when I live here. Yeah. Now you should go back to Wells with your plumes of asparagus in your hat. Just throwing it around the confused people of Somerset. <laughs> Why is this stray? It looks like a stick. Green spear. You can eat it. Uh, does your wee smell of asparagus, uh, or not of asparagus, but strange after you have weed? I think it does for everybody. No, right? it does not. Really? You know, it does. I know. You know, I hate asparagus. Do you? I do. I'm not a big asparagus fan. Mm. So it's not something I. It's not something I. It, that would be my idea of hell. Okay. <laughs> Oh, what I really love, and I think Shaun of the Dead is, like, 
just the best, one of the absolutely best British films, comedy films of all time, best comedy films of all time, but it's right up there. I think the work you're doing is very reminiscent for me of, in a different way, of the Monty Python films. In, in terms of creating this body of work that are fantastic films. I'm sure The Dead is fantastic, wonderful film. Um, what you're doing at the moment is a really cool thing on your website where you're doing a photo a day from, from the films. Yeah. So you're doing, and we're getting some kind of history of, the, of what was going on behind the scenes and... Yeah, no, I'm putting up a photo a day from every day of the shoot, because it was 10 years ago and I just thought... And you know, I think people don't often realise like exactly how much you shoot in a day or what things are location and which things are sets and stuff. So it's also, you know, it also, you know, I wasn't going to write anything about the photos and then every day when I look at the photos, I think, oh yeah, this happened that day. <laughs> and so it's, no, it's, it's kind of, I, I like doing it. It's a great thing to do because you don't often kind of break it down like that. And even just putting the schedule on the thing, people are, who are not working in the film industry are fascinated by what yeah. a schedule looks like and stuff. Not a particularly sexy answer to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, I mean, it's very hard to top Shaun of the Dead, do you think? I mean, I think it's such a perfect film. I don't know. I mean, you know, like, I think sort of when we were doing it at the time, like, you, you, you're just trying to make a decent film. You don't really think about, you know, it's just like, is it going to be good? Will people in the UK like it? You don't think about anything else beyond that. Yeah. So, no, I'm very happy with, like, I'm very proud of that movie. And I'm proud of the other two as well. Um, and so you should be. And I actually, the, from what I've seen of the new film, which isn't, uh, I've seen a little bit of it. I think it. I think it's. It's. it's, it's, a, it's a, there's a sort of maturity to it, even though it's just quite immature as well. But it feels. It feels to me potentially like it could be better than Shaun of the Dead. Well, we wanted to do something where I think the thing that's nice about working with Simon and Nick is that we can. We don't pretend to be younger. I think that's one of the reasons that. Uh, here's the real reason there would never be a Space Three as far as I'm concerned, is that to sort of pretend to be 26 forever would be a really bad idea. Like, and I think what's nice with Sean and Hot Fuzz and World's End is we get to get older with each one. Yeah. So that's kind of what's nice about it. Did you know that the, when, the, when I ever hear Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, it's very hard not to think about that particular scene in that's the good. film. But now I have stopped thinking about it because uh, in Russell Brand's book, he said that that was written after a show that Freddie Mercury did where his manager then bought him 80 rent boys who all, <laughs> like, who all this is what Russell Brand says, who then all lined up and he had sex with like about 80 rent boys. That doesn't and then, some, he, but then that, that was what inspired that song. Now that's what goes through my mind when I... <laughs> when, <laughs> but it does, but the lyrics seem to be, it's definitely like a hedonistic song. I always thought it sounded like sort of particularly spooky at the end because it goes all ghostly. I always think, I always used to think, I think it sounds like, this is before he died, it sort of sounds like he's dying at the end. <laughs> right. I always thought it don't stop me now when Freddie's voice goes all kind of spooky and spectral. It was like, um, you know, it was the beginning of the end. He has, he's burnt out. Well, it's probably, you know, <laughs> probably that Don't have sex with 80 rent boys, just in you case. Know the real, you know one of the reasons we put that in the movie is because I saw the Queen musical, Ben Elton's Queen musical, which I did not care for. <laughs> and, but here's the thing about it. You would think, have you seen it? I, I haven't, no, I couldn't. They don't use Don't Stop Me Now in the show. It's the most <laughs> obvious, like, show tune of them all. You know why they didn't? It's because someone has said, we are going to stop you No, that's now. exactly <laughs> what they do in the show. That's exactly what they do. Really? They sing five seconds of it, and somebody goes, and they stop it, and it's like, wow, wow. Oh. You know, think, ah, oh, what an idiot. And it's I the best song. Yeah. So that's why I tried to well, reclaim it from, don't, we will rock you. Ben Elton, he did write the right way, so don't judge him. <laughs> Which is about me. Yeah. <laughs> 
but it does go on about how amazing that and I've never seen the musical because I can I'm not I'm not a massive Queen fan but I also just couldn't, couldn't bear to see it see that happen but he does I think if you took the Queen music Queen songs and in between they were all sung by a big cast of people and in between a man just came on and did a shit on the stage <laughs> I think that would still be a worldwide smash so I don't think the script really matters that much to the people who go and see it if it's just oh we've got to see oh there's a man shitting on there ah <laughs> oh, you can see all the steam coming off as a see like little droplets coming out I once saw a film of a man shitting into his own mouth it's one of the most disgusting things and the, what was really it was very grainy but the, the thing that made it truly disgusting and every time I think about it, it makes me sick and we're going to end the podcast on this is that right at the end of the shit that kind of flops on his face sort of liquid comes out Right. So. This is an episode of The Right Way, I'm confused. <laughs> Even if that happened, it makes me sick every time I remember it. I've forgotten about it for a long time and now that's just made up. Even if that was in between each song, as long as someone came in, swept up the shit, got rid of the man with the shit on his face. And he went, you're a killer, queen. They were like, oh, I'll get the songs are back for you. Oh no, here comes the shit, man. As long as they ended on a song. I think if they ended on the shitting man. I'm <laughs> down. So yeah, if you ever need any help with any of the scripts, <laughs> do let me know. Ladies and gentlemen, he's got to go back and finish his film. It's Edgar Wright, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. You have been listening to Richard Herring's Less Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Edgar Wright. The music was by Pest, thanks to Orange Mark and everyone from the British Comedy Guide and Chris Evans, not that one, and everyone at Go Faster Stripe. It was produced by Ben Walker. It is a fuzz. Go Faster Stripe and Sky Potato Production. How do you like them Sky Potatoes? Pretty good. Buy the video. Hope you enjoyed the show. It was free. If you would like to pay for something, there are lots of things on offer. You can buy the video of these podcasts from gofasterstripe.com slash podcasts. You can buy all my DVDs and books from gofasterstripe.com. Uh, also, I am doing an Edinburgh show. We're all going to die at the Pleasance Beyond at 8 o'clock every night at the Edinburgh Fringe. And also Richard Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast. It's like this, but every single fucking day uh, at the stand at about 2.10pm. If you want to buy tickets for those, you go to edfringe.com. It'd be lovely to see you there. Uh, also, my producer, Ben, is also producing Pappy's Flat Share Slamdown. Uh, there's a special uh, only London date at the Soho Theatre on July the 8th. If you Google Pappy's Flat Share Slamdown, you will be able to buy tickets that it's really good so do go and see that and help support other podcasts thanks for listening see you next time bye